the Antichrist and end times more about stuff that's going to happen. Uh, so if you want to turn with me to Revelation, <clears throat> and we're at, yep, chapter 12, thank you. Yep. So a couple of things that uh, as we dig into this, we were talking a little bit before class. You know, there's a lot of different opinions about the book of Revelation, obviously. And that, you know, you have people that are uh, pre-tribulation, we talked about that, that believe that the church is taken out um, before the tribulation, which our church believes that. Um, that's sort of our, our biblical belief. Um, that there are those that do not believe that, but think it only happens at the midway point, the three and a half years in. Um, which they call those mid-tribulation. There are those who also believe that you're not taken out until the very end, until the end of the seven years. And uh, so they're post-tribulation. Um, and uh, I actually think all three are true, but for the church, remember, when we talk about the church, um, we're talking about those who believe in Christ now, not after the tribulation period starts. And so... Um, you also have what's called the amillennialists, which is one that we don't talk about a lot here, um, and I do not adhere to, but I have some good friends that do, that amillennialists just believe that the whole book of Revelation is just symbolic. You have those who look at the book of Revelation as just a historical reflection back on what's already happened. Um, the key, <clears throat> and I always want to reference back to this, is, is that is in, in Revelation chapter 1 where he said these are things that were, are, and will be. So there are a lot of things, a lot of things that happen now to us that I believe are just ref, are, are, um, ripples that, are, coming, that are, are from what's about to happen in the end. They're ripples back in time. They're things that, you know, they're, they're reflections of what's going to be happening. There's... There's nothing new under the sun. So stuff that has been will be again, according to the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, things that will be are already happening now. But the finality of it all and all of what's happening and what's going to take place, you know, to, for our understanding, what we, what we have to understand, at least on our part, reading Revelation to, to truly understand it is, these are things that were, are, and will be. And if you don't use that as the key to this book of Revelation, it could be extremely confusing for us. Um, it, uh, you know, because we just see things that definitely historically, we know that Domitian put his image in the temple and that he told people to worship him, that there was bl pig blood sacrifice. I mean, we know that Jerusalem was conquered and that, there was, you know, that Persia came against them and Babylon came against them before. All these things have been. So it's not like these are all new things. But when you're moving to the finality of it all, and you start looking here towards the end. I think there's some key things that we can that we can gather that will help us to understand that this just isn't a historical perspective. Um, that these are actually things that we have not experienced historically. Um, you know, especially in this, in what we'll look at tonight about, you know, Satan being thrown out of heaven, um, how that all plays out, talking about the third of the angels, all of that playing out, how all that takes place, um, understanding how 
you know, the persecution against Israel that's happened, the, the beast rising up out of the sea, uh, the false prophet rising up out of the earth. Um, there may have been those who symbolically may have looked like that, but they would not have had the power that these will operate under. Uh, the great dragon, the, what, this, what you would have, if you guys have read ahead, the great dragon that uh, it, we'll be talking about tonight. So, you know, I, I, to me, it, it makes uh, absolute uh, sense and clarity to me to understand that what we're reading in 12 through, 15, 12 through 14 tonight, before we get into the bowls of wrath that are poured out, that this is the climax of the whole book of Revelation. This is, remember we talked about chiastic, how that in the chiastic plan, that it's the way that the, 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 the conclusion of the story is not at the end, it's in the middle. The climax, the, the real important, is right in the middle of it. That's where we're at. Yeah, we're in 12 through 15. This is the, this is the pinnacle of the story of what's happening in the, in, in the whole account. Because when you turn back around now, you're basically going to be looking at, and this will maybe help you understand a little bit about this, when we get to 15, we get to 16, 17, up through 22, we're really looking at how all of this plays out after all these things have happened, okay? So what we're looking at tonight is really the climax of the story where this all comes to a head. And, uh, you know, and what's really awesome about it to me is is that it's all over really quick. I mean, it it what whatever's happening in that three and a half year period, when it's over, the Lord comes, and when He comes, it's over. I mean, just like that. And there's a really interesting passage in the Old Testament that talks about the Antichrist, how that that uh, he makes great boastings, but then the Ancient of Days shows up, and that's Jesus. And when He shows up, it's all over with. It's done. It's, the, the whole story is over at that point because the enemy is defeated. So, uh, and that's what we'll see here tonight. Amen? Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you that we have this time together. And Lord, we're grateful that you speak to us, that you lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, we understand that we could not truly understand your word without the help of the Holy Spirit, that reason and, and uh, education are not enough. Lord, we need insp the, the divine revelation by your spirit and that's where it has to come from and so lord i thank you that through your exceeding great and precious promise lord we are partakers of your divine nature and i believe tonight lord we're partaking of that divine nature in our time together in jesus name amen amen all right chapter 12 so we came to the end of 11 and we saw the temple of god was open in heaven the ark of his covenant was seen in the temple, this is in heaven, there was lightning, noises, thunders, and earthquakes, and great hail. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Now, there are some that will try to say that this is Mary. This is not Mary. Okay, so this is Israel. We're reading about Israel here, and I'll tell you why we, why we will say this. In Genesis chapter 37... 9 through 11, it says, clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet, that when Jacob had his vision, he saw that his father was the sun and his mother was the, the moon. And so this is, a this is a reference back to an Old Testament passage in Genesis 
chapter 37. Also notice here that it says, and on her head a garland of 12 stars, which are representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? So this is not Mary, this is Israel, and that she was being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So this is a reflection back now about the birth of the Messiah coming, the birth of the Messiah coming into the earth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Notice this is all happening in the heavens, not talking in reference to the earth. So this is a spiritual, uh, this is spiritual information for us. And it says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So when we look at this, talking about the Messiah, there's references in the Old Testament how that Christ would bear a rod of iron, okay, as, as the Messiah, that he would bear a rod of iron. So the reference here is, is that Israel is being persecuted. Remember, <clears throat> the devil hates Israel, because that's where the Messiah comes from. Okay? I know at times we like say, he hate, he, he, the devil hates Israel because of God making a covenant with Abraham. God's covenant with Abraham was to produce the Messiah. So this is all about foretelling the Messiah coming is the downfall of the devil, basically. It's the, it's the overthrowing of the, of the dragon. And the dragon knows that, knows what's coming. But when we look at these references in here and we see that this great persecution, it's against Israel. This is why these guys all hate Israel now. It isn't a, don't ever buy into the idea it's about land or who did what. It is all about the covenant that God made that he would produce through Adam and Eve, that he would produce an heir. And he made that choice to do that through Abraham, who was obedient to him. And through his seed. It's a supernatural covenant that God made. And the devil absolutely hates that. And still is persecuting Israel. Because that was the promise that was made. Okay. So God is protecting. Going to protect Israel in the midst of all of this. And so it said she bore a male child who was to rule all nations. And of course and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Which Jesus of course is seated at the right hand of the father now. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she should feed, that, he, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. So now, remember, we're at the three and a half year point in tribulation. Israel goes under a, di a divine protection at this point for three and a half years. War broke out in heaven. Now the spiritual battle goes on. War breaks out in heaven. Michael and his angel fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But they did not prevail. And, you know, if you like to write in your Bible, that's, you need to underline verses like this, especially when you're watching the media and stuff, because sometimes you think, well, the devil's winning. He does not prevail, okay? It doesn't, there may be stuff that's happening, but doesn't, just because they're fighting back doesn't mean that they're, they're winning the battle. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. That's his power, deception. 
deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay? And his angels were cast out with him. So we see that in this war, the enemy is not bound up yet, but he is cast to, that he's cast to the earth. And you know, when you read the Bible, there's some questions we could raise about this that, you know, it's obvious that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So he must have had access at some point along the way here to come and accuse the brethren and to make comments. And he did about Job. I mean, look at Job, what he's, he told, started arguing with God about Job. So we know that, that there was access at some point that's been taken away. And Jesus talked about whenever he was uh, making reference to the disciples casting out devils. Does anybody remember this? He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, right, to the earth. So they're cast down, okay? So the heavens, the first, the first place the devil has lost all power is in the heavens. This, you know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, right? So we're not fighting with flesh and blood. The issue now is, is that as the serpent has been cast down, the dragon has been cast down to the earth, now you are dealing with flesh and blood because that's all on the earth now. It's all, everything that's happening is not happening in the heavens, it's happening in the earth. That's why the Antichrist rises. Yes, ma'am. This is a reminiscent that they're bringing out. Now, it's, we don't know exactly when this happened. I'm assuming it happened in the victory of Christ. You know, that he said, I saw. I don't know if that means at that point he saw Satan. We don't know the exact time frame of this. <coughs> Excuse me. But we know that the, the, the issue is, is that the devil has lost all authority in the heavens. He's just lost it. That's all been taken away. Michael and his angels have cast them down to the earth. All right. So it, it runs like this. They were in the heavens. They're cast to the earth. They're ending up in the bottomless pit. Okay. And then they're gone forever. They're cast into the abyss forever. So they keep moving lower and lower and lower and lower. The reason that Satan can be cast to the earth. Does anybody know why? Because of sin. Because of sin. Because Adam turned his lease over that God gave him to Satan. Yep, he gave him the keys to the earth, basically. And so to corrupt the things of the earth. So when you talk about, you know, why was he, why was he able to be on the earth? Because the earth was not, was, the redemption had not happened yet to the earth. The redemption was made available for mankind. And this is all happening after that three and a half year period where we've seen those believers during that three and a half year period that have been taken up into heaven now, standing millions and millions that, have, that are now standing before the throne. And so, um, anyways, so it's, it's, it's just a very, it's very powerful imagery. I think what we want to take out of it is, is the devil loses. <laughs> right? I mean, when it all happened, we don't know exactly the time or the references. We just know that we saw Satan was cast to the earth. Yes, ma'am. Right. But what if that's basically the title deed to the earth? Because yeah. it says, who is worthy to undo it? Only the lamb who is slain. Yeah. So Jesus is the one who's buying back that title deed to the earth. Yeah, that's good. That's very, very good. Yeah, and I, and I think there's some validity to that. 
that statement about that scroll, you're talking about the one that said, he said, seal it up. We can't know what it says right now. The seven seals. The seven seals, yep, yep. That those were the least to the earth. Yes, right, good. So, excuse me? Well, they're open now in heaven. They've all been opened, yes. So then he said, I heard, uh, so, uh, so the great dragon was cast out, verse 9, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So that's a third of the angels. The belief, this, we don't know if this is actually accurate, but the understanding is that Gabriel is the messenger angel and has a third of the angels that are with him bringing messages into the earth and taking the prayers back into heaven, which we would have seen with Jacob's ladder, okay? And then there's Michael, who would have a third of the angels as well, that Michael would have be the warring angel when we read about, and that's who's fighting in this. That's the army. Now, we don't know the accuracy of the breakdown here. We just know that Satan, when he fell, took a third of the angels with him. And, uh, of course, we know in the Old Testament from um, uh, uh, Isaiah and also Ezekiel that the reference to the Lucifer was that he was basically created with musical instruments and that he, he was the chief musician. Basically, all the praise was funneled through him, and he began to funnel that praise to himself, basically, and thought, I'm just as good as God. And God said, we'll see about that. So. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Now this part here can be a little challenging to us because... Remember, these are things that were, are, and will be. So this not only can be a reference to the church, but can be a reference to the believers during the tribulation, those who believe during the tribulation, that they overcome as well by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And in the end, they did not love their lives to the death. Okay? So we don't know. Those are great principles, though, even for us to apply to ourselves. When it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, of course, that's the covenant that God made with for mankind to believe in. So, um, you know, the blood in and of itself, you know, I read a reference to this. I thought was pretty powerful. If the blood alone was enough, then the soldiers that were splattered with the blood of Christ would have been saved. Right. And they did not get saved because they did not have the covenant that came with the blood. So it's through the covenant, the word, the covenant, the agreement that God made through the blood as you believe on Christ that you receive eternal life. The blood, to seal. the blood seals it, exactly. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time, he has a short, very short time, a very short time. So this is all happening in that three and a half year period. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman and gave birth, who gave birth to the male child, which is Israel. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place 
where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time from the presence of the serpent. So there is protection that's provided for Israel during that time. The serpent spewed out water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. So now because those who are believers that that have made this decision to follow Christ, okay, uh, during this tribulation period, they're going to come under great, even greater persecution. Now, something that's noteworthy here is, is that, and this is kind of tough to read, but the only way to get to heaven after the mid-tribulation rapture is through death. That's it. And you have to die believing in the Lord. And you have to stand for what you, that's it. There's no other Take, there is a sickle that's taken in. A sickle is, in Scripture, always re- represents a, that a death has happened, but it's a sickling out of the people later on. We read that in uh, Revelation 14, and we'll look at it here in a little bit. But uh, the only way out is there's no come up hither anymore. This is it. This, so at that three-and-a-half-year period, now everybody that will believe on the Lord is even going to face a greater challenge in their belief. And that's why... I think that Revelation passage says they overcome the dragon by the blood of the Lamb because they believe in Christ and the word of their testimony because they refuse to recant their faith in Christ and they love not their lives even unto death. And so they, that's the only way out at this point. So let me just throw this in. If you think that you've got plenty of time, you don't got plenty of time. And, you know, and, and this should put such a burden on our lives to just realize that people that are around us, that they need to hear the gospel. Not, not like you're going to hell kind of gospel, that Jesus went to hell, that Jesus paid the price for you so you don't have to go to hell. To know the love of God, that's the, that, that the church should live with a sense of urgency that this is where everything will begin to go. Uh, and especially that one day people will get up, family members, neighbors will get up, and we're not here anymore. We're gone. We've been taken out. And uh, when we're gone, of course, there'll be opportunity to believe in Christ, but it'll be way harder than it is right now because you can lose your life for what you believe. Right now, we don't lose our lives for what we believe. Right now. In some nations, you lose your life for what you believe, but not... Not in the United States typically, okay, overall. So it should really put on our hearts that, you know, that this is the way that things end up in the end. So chapter 13, I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and of his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now this beast is the Antichrist, all right? This beast rising up. A couple of ways to look at this. Out of the sea... Is all, the Bible always talks about the sea of humanity. Um, so it's raised up out of men, all right? This Antichrist comes up from men. Um, and we see later on that the mark of the Antichrist is the number of man. And so I think that speaks pretty plainly that it's the number of a man, which is 666. And uh, that it means it'll be a man that will be the one that'll be empowered by the dragon. 
uh, to do great signs and wonders. And, uh, but in this passage, as we look at it, it says there's seven heads and there's ten horns. So when it makes a reference to the sea, I think also it's referencing to us that the beast will draw, that the armies that will come are in that sea area. They're, they're around that sea. So I'm going to give you those nations what they are. Uh, the seven that uh, that it's talking about, the seven nation, the seven heads of the beast are Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Rome, Egypt, Medio Persia, which is Iran, uh, and so those would be the seven uh, would be the seven heads, um, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Rome, Egypt. And Medio Persia, and all of those would be coming out of uh, it, it. We don't know exactly with Babylon, you know, because Babylon today is uh, Iraq, and uh, so we're not real sure how that um, how that all plays out. I don't know, you know, but these other nations obviously still exist, and uh, so they're going to be where the beast is getting his power. He carries it's a governmental position. Is what I'm trying to say. And he has crowns on his head. So if you look at this, it says uh, he comes out of the sea, he has seven heads, so that's seven nations, and he has ten horns, which means that's ten uh, leaders that are under his control. And on his horns, ten crowns, which means he's in a, he has the authority, and on his head's a blasphemous name against God. Okay? So whatever this Antichrist, whoever this is, he is a political leader, that is ruling through <clears> the <throat> excuse me the seven nations these ten leaders that are joined together with him and uh, the crowns that are given to him by these leaders now the beast which i saw was like a leopard his feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion so lion is a reference to uh, babylon um, which i wonder if this isn't a reference to rome but i you know, it's just hard to tell. I mean, who knows? Uh, we won't be here, so I don't think we have to worry about it. But I just think it's interesting. The lion is one of the ones that uh, the beast was like a lion. He was like a bear, which means Persia, Iran, which nobody would doubt that today. Um, and then the leopard, which is the Greeks, okay, which would be Athens and that whole Greek area. So... He's getting his power through this. There's an allegiance somehow that's made. You know, and this is what scared everybody about the European, when the Europeans all joined together. And Yeah. Did you have something earlier? I'm sorry. I'm, okay. So when the European nation gathered together. But that's all messed up really now. If the Germans ever decide to pull out, the whole thing will collapse because they're really funding most of what's happening, you know, within that. And uh, so he, it, it says that, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like that of a bear, like Iran, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Babylon, Iraq, or Rome could be. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And this really brings up a, an interesting thought because obviously the, Satan has power. And he has the power to deceive, but he has power too. He has ability. Um, Jesus said it like this, and this is really interesting, Luke ten nineteen, He said, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. 
The word power that's there is the same word that's used in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, but you shall receive power, dunamis, ability. So obviously the devil has ability. Now, deception is a big part of that, the ability to deceive. But this Antichrist, actually, either there's an assassination attempt or in the battles there's some kind of a wound because one of the heads is wounded and it becomes a talking point in the media about how that he's recovered from all of this miraculously. And uh, we know God didn't heal that, so, you know, didn't make that all well. So, obviously, there was a power that Satan has that he can release to, you know, to help the beast in all of this and to give him authority. Um, I saw one of his head as if it had been mortally wounded, uh, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So there you go. Uh, Just what I was just talking about. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? All right, let's stop for just a minute. We've already seen in the earth massive destruction that's happened in the earth. And yet this deception is so strong that they say nobody could beat the Antichrist because basically he is resurrected. He should not be alive. And here he is alive today. He was mortally wounded, and yet he has come back. So they begin to think, they begin to, it's a mockery of the resurrection is what it is. And so they begin to mock that, but they're making statements of who could stop him? Who could stop this one? And so it says, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? He was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, which is, Once again, three and a half years, okay? So we're at that three and a half year point when all this starts showing up. And now we're seeing in that three and a half years, so now the the adversaries, the the beast is going to make statements and power and reign in power during this period of time. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints, those who are on the earth, and to overcome them. And I don't, well, here, this is really important. Overcoming them, this is not the church. These are the people that have believed, okay, after the three and a half year period. Right? Are you with me right now? So see it, look at it in your Bible. So after, when this is all happening, then, verse 6, he opened his mouth and all these things, and then blasphemed his name, and those who dwell in heaven, And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Jesus said that the devil will not prevail against the church. The church is gone, right? So this cannot be the church talking about us today. This is talking about those who are coming to Christ after the second resurrection. The second uh, Rapture. rapture, thank you, yeah. Start with an R. So he was granted to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given, given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now one of the things we'll see here as we look at this is the 144,000, at least from some understanding of, of some scholars, is still on the earth at this time. And he cannot defeat them because they have a mark that the enemy cannot defeat. 
There's also the belief, you know, so remember, he, he empowered the 144,000 that the enemy could not kill them, basically. So to say that the 144,000 died during this period of time would be to say that the mark lost its power that God put on their forehead. I don't think that happened. I think they're in the earth. I think that they're, they're still in the earth proclaiming the gospel to people. People are still getting, giving their lives, you know, realizing this is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They're still believing, even though all chaos, they know that, you know, they know that this is the only way that I'm going to make it through all this. I've got to believe in Christ. So they refuse to take the mark of the beast. And uh, they go through this three and a half years of torment that's going on in the earth. Now, the Antichrist is still around before this three and a half years, but he rises to power at that three and a half year period. Verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this is referenced again in Revelation 20.15. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But um, this is a, th that if your name, if you haven't given your life to Christ, it's even going to be that much harder for you to believe in Christ at this point. Because of the persecution and because you know that this is what, this is the decision. Now, there have been believers in our time that have made a choice for Christ and knew it would cost them their life in making that choice. I mean, there are Chinese believers that were told by communist guards that if you did not renounce the name of Christ, we're going to kill you and your family. And they refused to do it. And so they were shot there on the spot. The great song that we sing in the church, I have decided to follow Jesus, is a song of a martyr. It was a martyr in India that made a decision that he was going to follow Christ. They shot his children first, and he says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. They took his kids out right in front of him. Then they threatened to kill his wife. And he said, I have decided. That was his response, to follow Jesus. You know, the cross before me, the world behind me, basically, is what the song says. And they shot his wife right in front of him. And so then they, the last part was they killed him as well. So there are already believers. Remember, these are all ripples of things that are to come that we begin to experience in our lifetime and things that happen. And these believers that are coming, these people that make a declaration of receiving Christ, whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, they know that this is it. I make this decision. It will cost me my life. I think for us, you know, I mean, in some ways, we have really in the world cheapened the grace of Christ and what he's done for us because it doesn't cost us a whole lot. We gripe about having to give up a few things, you know, adultery and, right? We can't fool around. We can't get drunk like everybody else does. We can't, you know, all the, can't cuss like everybody else does. And, you know, well, look, you, boy, it's just a tough life, isn't it? <laughs> never said it would be easy. Yeah, right. Yes. Yep. So I want you to notice this in verse 9 because this is a really important statement. We haven't heard this since chapter uh, 1 and 2. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. This is a warning. Okay? So if you write in your Bible, I would write warning right here. Warning Will Robinson. Okay? This is a warning. 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 Danger. Yes. Danger. So this is a warning. Hear what the Lord is saying here. This is not 
you know, to, at the end here, how difficult that this will be. Verse 10, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here's the patience and the faith of the saints, those who will endure through that period of time. All right? And as I said, none of this can happen until the church is taken out, I believe. You know, when you look at the scripture, and I, I, it's kind of cool, um, I make a reference to a couple of things. You should do a study in the book of Revelation on the songs of Revelation and what they sang in those songs. So when you get to chapter uh, 14, if you look at verse 3, and it says, They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were deemed from the earth. So the 144,000 have their own song that they sang about the Lord. Okay, If you go back uh, just a little bit, and uh, go to uh, chapter, um, go to chapter uh, seven. When we talk about those who are taken out of the earth during the three, at that three and a half year period, I wanted you to notice this song that they sang. They asked, "Who are these?" Verse fourteen. And I said to him, "Sir, you know." And he said to me, "These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes." and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and who sits on the throne who dwells among them. And before that there's a song that they are saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might be to our God forever and ever. So remember I've been telling you that the, the, the song of these that come out during the tribulation, they're serving before the throne day and night. If you go back just a little bit more, to chapter 5, you read the church's song. Verse 9, they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So what are they declaring here? They're saying, look, as the church... The gates of hell will not prevail against the church because of what you've done for us, Lord, through your blood. What's the tribulation, saints are saying? They've been purchased out and they will serve before the throne of God. And then when you get to the end and you start looking at these songs that later on, the 144,000, there are all these songs through the book of Revelation. We don't talk a lot about them, but they're very powerful. There are things the angels sang that... That uh, they could, they had to stop in what they sang because the blood wasn't applied for the angels. So then it went on to the the saints that were there who were making these declarations. So very, very, very powerful. Verse eleven, chapter thirteen. So I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth. And those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. There it is again. So this is the false prophet. All right. He has two horns, which I believe are religion and politics. Okay. Religion. And we're not far from this religious idea that all religions are good. Right. I mean, today we hear that. I mean, I had a barber one time was cutting my hair and said, you know, I believe all religions lead to God. No, they don't. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way. 
Well, I believe all of them are good. Well, there's good things about them, obviously. You can't deny that. But see, there's two horns with this, and he's like a lamb. He seems like he's peaceful. He's, he's come like Jesus. You know, he's, he's here to bring peace on the earth. And he's bringing attention. He's bringing that peace through worship the beast. If you worship the beast, the one who, was, the one who had been mortally wounded, the deadly wound that was healed. And it says in verse 13, he performs great signs so that he makes, he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and once again and lived. So um, just as a thought with this, um, when, when Moses went before Pharaoh, remember that Moses's magician or Pharaoh's magicians were doing mocking the signs, making the same things happen. All right. Until, uh, until when? Do you remember? Nats. What was it? The gnats. The they could not re reproduce. Thank you. They could not reproduce the gnats. But they did all the other things up. They turned water to blood. They turned, you know, they did all those, the frogs. But they, at the point of the gnats, they, they couldn't do it. And they started, they, they were basically realized they didn't have the power, the, the ability to do that. But this one here, when we read this, he's mocking the things of God here because he's doing what exactly what um, Elisha did, Elijah did when he called fire out of heaven, right? And so now he's mocking that and he's telling people that you need to follow the beast, you need to worship the beast. He, and it's granted to him in verse 15 to give, to give breath to the image of the beast, life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast could, should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And this is very reminiscent of what Nebuchadnezzar did. Remember he told him, if you don't bow down when you hear the sound of the trumpet and worship the image, my image, you'll be killed. And they told him, we will, the three Hebrew boys said, we will not bow down. And he says, then throw them in the fiery furnace. And of course, God protected them. That's why I think the 144,000 are protected during this time too. God protected those Jewish, those three Jewish boys. He'd protect them. So, uh, verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, a couple of thoughts with this, and there's a lot, you know. I heard it was Ronald Reagan at one time. What was Ron? Because it was, Ronald was six letters, Wilson was six letters, and Reagan was six letters, right? And I'm sure there were some people that thought he was the Antichrist, right? I mean, I'm sure that there were. But I don't think that's how you calculate the name, Okay. I think this is, a, this is a reference in their time period that something we probably would not understand. The six definitely is a reference to man. It's a reference to man. In scripture, eight is a reference to Christ. Um, and uh, the Jewish, the Jewish um, Hebrew had, uh, and I talked to you guys about this in church a little bit, they had numbers that went with letters. Um, there are also those who believe that the 666 is the Roman numerals that are added up, which, you know, if you know Roman numerals, the way it breaks down, 
there's the one line, then there's the V, which that adds up to six, and then there's the next one, which is the X, which is 10, and then there's the on and on and on, and if you add all those up, it adds up to 666. So it could mean that this is, for them, it would be the understanding that this is the Antichrist is coming out of Rome. It's coming out of Rome. I don't know. We won't be here, so I'm not really that worried about it, but, but it, it appears that that could, we do know it will be a man. It is not, it is not the spawn of Satan. If his two horns are politics and religion, and he's coming out of Rome, it could be the Pope. Yeah, it could be like a Pope-like one, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, right now, it's very scary what Francis believes. I mean, if you look at what he actually says, now they always are correcting what he says, kind of like our president at times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but they, they are correcting what, and, and, and I don't think, I mean, it could be, that could be what happens, the persecution in this. We don't really, we don't really know. You know, later on, we'll look at this uh, in 17, chapter 17, but when you talk about the whore of Babylon, there are a lot of people say that, you know, that the whore of Babylon is Rome because it sets on, she sits on seven mountains. Well, Rome is not on seven mountains, it's on seven hills. So I don't know if that's actually the case. Um, you know, there's some of this stuff that the imagery, it's just hard to really sort out where exactly, you know, we, we talk about in the church, the seven mountains. Do you guys hear any, remember anything about this? So the seven mountains is government, education, religion, entertainment. Yep. Yeah. Family. And there's one more. Did we say politics? Media. media and media. All right. So we could say, huh? I don't know. I thought, I don't know if it is. They put media in there. So when you talk about the seven mountains, you could say that that could actually, he's over all those areas and is ruling through those areas. I don't know. The horror of Babylon is taking people away from God. That definitely is what we're reading in, in the scripture. Okay? In chapter 17, it says she sits upon seven hills. Yes. Let me read it since I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So seven heads is what they made reference to. Said that she was sitting on a beast with having seven heads and ten horns. You know, I don't know uh, for a fact with this one. Like I said, and I thought later on it talks about... Verse 9. Verse 9, thank you. Yeah, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Okay? So there are seven mountains, but Rome is on seven hills, so I doubt very seriously. Thank you, Jeannie. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Could be. But like I said, we won't be here, so we have really little to be concerned at with all of this. Um, and remember, while we're in heaven, this is all happening super fast, right, on earth, because a thousand years but a day in the sight of the Lord. So, I mean, it's like a blink, and this is all happening. So it says that we talk about the, the false prophet. He's giving power. He gives breath to this image 
Um, and he causes all, both small and great, they bow down, they have to take the number of the beast. Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, I looked and behold a lamb. Here we go. So this is all over now. Standing on, the Mount, on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of the harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne uh, and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women. They are virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, and they are without fault before the throne of God. And we could reference back to that about the 144 that we read about earlier. He said, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Now, this is really interesting and just something for us to think about, okay? Um, obviously, here towards the end, an angel begins, never have we seen an angel declaring the gospel of Christ, okay, uh, up to this point. Um, it has been humans that have had to do that. Now an angel begins to declare from the heavens to every nation, and so when Jesus made this reference in Matthew 24, 4, it's possible, it's plausible that when he said, 24, 14, when he said that he would not come until every nation had heard the gospel, this could be that final effort to make sure that all nations have heard the gospel. In the church we have taught, and I think it's a good teaching for us, that Jesus will not return for the church until the gospel has gotten into all the world. Part of that motivation is, is that those who want Christ to return are going to work harder to make sure the gospel, right? Yeah. Can I say that the motivation for us to get the gospel into the world so that we can go to heaven is a selfish message? Because it's self-centered in us. We're more caring about our own future than we are about the future of the people that need to hear the gospel. The, the, the reason we share the gospel is because of love, not because of self-interest. Can I get a better amen? So I think there's a lot of validity to this. I think in the church it preaches good to say that then the gospel will go in all the world and Jesus will return. Okay, well, if we're talking about his second coming, yes. If we're talking about the rapture of the church, I'm not real sure that we can prove that biblically. I do think that at this point, this angel is declaring from heaven that there will be no one who will have an excuse before the throne of God. When the great white throne judgment happens, which I think we look at next week, when that takes place, no one will be with, have an excuse. They will have heard the gospel. Now, anybody that decides to hear the gospel and to receive that, of course, it will cost them everything. It will cost them their life at this point. Saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience and of, of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works will follow them. Their belief and their works will follow them. And I looked... And behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap the harvest of the earth, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also having a sharp sickle, and another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And so the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, gathered the vine of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So this is not believers now. This is those who are not believers. So the first reaping is a reaping of believers, of saints, that people that have endured through the tribulation. Now we have a reaping that takes place of those who did not and took the mark of the beast. And the winepress was trampled outside the city. And the blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furlongs, which means for 200-mile radius from Jerusalem, there was blood everywhere up to the horses' bridle. Wow. So just kind of in retrospect, looking back, and I've got to stop tonight, but we'll get into more of this next week. But because really, this is the climax of the book of Revelation. Everything that happens after this really is going to be sort of going back over some things that have already happened. So we're going to we're going to reflect back. Remember, we go up, hit the climax. Now we come back. We're coming back up from another angle, looking at it. In the end, we'll know where those who didn't believe end up, right? We know about judgments that will be on the wrath that will be released on the earth. We will know about where the believers will end up, where they'll spend eternity, the marriage supper of the Lamb, um, you know. So we'll, we'll learn all about that in the weeks ahead. But I think that one thing, I think you would agree with me on this, is the great mercy that God has for mankind. I mean, even in the end, after seven years of tribulation, he's still declaring his gospel message to the world that people could believe. I pray that my relatives don't wait that long. I pray that my children don't wait that long. Amen. And my grandchildren and my neighbors, that they don't wait till that moment that, you know, that, that, that one day they get, that they don't wait even till the tribulation begins and get through that first. I want them to go with us, be in the church now, be in the church now. Uh, that's the answer. And when I read this, I just think, God, you're so gracious because 
Remember, all those people that he's still preaching the gospel to, they were blaspheming against him. But it's no different than you and I blaspheming against God before we receive Christ, doing our own thing, going our own way. You know, the spirit of Antichrist is very prevalent in the earth already. People doing against what Christ has said, what he has taught, what he has conveyed to us. And so I just find such great love of God in this book of Revelation. I just, I, I know we could get focused on all the, you know, the weird stuff and things that just are, but this is God's love, man. I mean, we're what, 15 chapters in, 14 chapters in, and God is still showing his love to mankind and giving them an opportunity to believe. I don't know, would we do that? Would we have that kind of compassion and love for humankind? You know, would we? I don't know. I hope we would. I hope we would. I would hope that we would pray for the Muslims, that they would come to the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that Hamas would find their way out of the darkness of the satanic stuff that they're involved in in Hezbollah, and that they would find their way to Christ. You know, I, I know Muslims that have received Christ because God, Jesus Christ, visited them in a dream, came to them, and they said, who are you? And they said, he said, I'm Jesus Christ, the one that you refuse to believe in. And they made a decision. I, one of the guys I interviewed on TCT one time, he made a decision to receive Christ into his life because of that, because Jesus appeared to him in a dream. Muslims value dreams big, more than we do in our society. Right? We think it's pizza. They value the power of dreams. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's cultural. I think the Jewish people, I think that whole Eastern culture values dreams. Way more than... Mystical. It's more mystical. It's, you know, but they definitely believe God speaks in dreams. I believe there are believers that believe that too. But, but they would put a higher premium. Especially a Muslim that Jesus appeared to them when they don't believe in him. And it's happening, and listen, it's happening, it's happening right here in Michigan where Jesus is appearing in dreams to people down in, what's that town? Dearborn. Dearborn. Yeah. That will never make the media, I promise you. But it's happening. And, it's, and we need to pray it happens more. You know, for you and I, and, and uh, I'll turn, I want to turn this off. But for you and I, I mean, 